so this morning we are going to finish the book of Ephesians, and I'm really excited about that. So here is what we are going to do. We are going to read through the entire book, um, which means you need a Bible, okay? That's why these two fine-looking men up here. Uh, don't be embarrassed. Here's what I, If you do not have a Bible or you don't want to read on your phone, and, or even if you just didn't bring your Bible and you'd rather read on paper right now, can you slip your hand up? Don't worry, you're in church. It's okay to, to ask for a Bible and be embarrassed that you didn't bring a Bible to church. Both happening at the same time. Keep the hand up. Good. So they're going to just pass the Bible down if you want one. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you don't have one, you can just keep that. Um, or you know somebody who needs a Bible, feel free to, to keep that. Um, it's totally yours. So as they do that, let me just kind of give some context as to what we're doing. Uh, Abby came up here and read the end of Ephesians 6. And when she read it, so let me read it again. Uh, it said this. I'll just read uh, the upfront part. So that you also may uh, know how I am and what I am doing. Uh, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that uh, he may encourage your hearts. As you read at the end of um, Paul's letters, what becomes blazingly obvious is that these things are not written in vacuums, okay? And what I mean by that is they're written in such a way that there's relational equity there. These things actually happen. Somebody stood before a group of people and actually read this letter. They actually knew people. And so we're going to do our best to kind of just lay that out. We're going to read through it. There's a ton to to walk through. So um, let me pray for us because uh, there's a a lot to get there. Um, But before I do, let me give an apologetic as to why we're doing this because there's two arguments against doing something like this. The first one is it's just too much Bible meaning you're not going to retain what's being said, and I totally get that. At the same time, there are multiple accounts within the Old Testament itself. Uh, Probably the most famous is Nehemiah, where he gets up before the people of God and literally reads the scriptures, the law, from morning to evening. So not even the letters. He's reading like Levitical law, like parts that like you read to go to sleep type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Okay, So, so there's the first thing. And then the other thing is retention, like you can only probably retain 10%. Even when you are checked in, you're only going to be able to retain 10%. Here's what I'm going to put in front of you with that. We're going to read six chapters of the Bible in the the next 40 minutes. Six chapters. And I'm going to stop along the way and kind of touch on those things. But as we read them, here's here's the beauty of what this looks like. Um, I've had the opportunity to run the Grand Canyon twice now. Rim to rim to rim and then rim to rim before. And, And there's two things that you can notice. First of all, as you look at the Grand Canyon... Many of you have done, you've looked at the Grand Canyon from up high and you see how awesome it is, right? It's huge. It's just huge. It feels like it's fake, like it's a painting. It's amazing. Well, if you've ever gone down, some of you have gone down inside the canyon and as you hike the canyon, you see even crazier things. Being close to the water, seeing different colored rocks, uh, uh, wildlife. I mean, it's amazing. As you're down in there, you see details. Well, here's why this is important, why we're doing We started the book of Ephesians, with a big grand look. I don't know if you guys remember that, but we had four people come up with a big grand look looking at the book of Ephesians. Well, then we took the last 10 months to cover over 3,000 words in the book of Ephesians and look at every detail, dicing up words that maybe we're not comfortable with, um, statements and ideas that we need to to, to be unpacked, all that. That's great. We went inside the canyon. Well, also, here's what's amazing. I've had the opportunity after hiking it to be back on the rim again and look at the the Grand Canyon from afar. And here's what I know. As I look at the Grand Canyon after I hiked it, I appreciate tiny little details that other people might not have noticed. 
Meaning like I'm looking at it, I'm going, like I was there. I'd been at that point right there next to the water. It's like a mile and a half away, but I, but I can see there. I've hiked that trail. I can see, I remember going around that turn. And, and, and because now I've been in the canyon, I've looked at the details, I zoom out and I see all kinds of amazing things. And that is the hope this morning. Okay, so the book of Ephesians is broken up into six chapters, over 3,000 words, and essentially we broke it up into five sections, and that's what these paintings are for. Angel Lugo uh, painted a painting for, excuse me, painted a painting for each section, and uh, I know that it's hard to see from a lot of you, for a lot of you guys in the back, feel free afterwards to come up and, and uh, check it all out, but, um, and these were the paintings as we've been going through the book of Ephesians that we were laying out um, as you guys walked in that you saw. So just an FYI, that's what these are for, and I'll kind of reference them as I, I go through them. Cool? Let me pray for us, and, uh, and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thanks for your goodness and your grace towards us. Thank you that we get to read the Word of God, and we're humbled by that fact. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. First part, the glorious gospel. Paul, an apostle, of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We started our letter with this idea, Paul the Apostle writing to the Ephesians. The Ephesians um, are in Ephesus and Ephesus is ran by one goddess, Artemis. Artemis, interesting enough, is not just the fertility goddess, but she's the goddess of the hunt. And one of the things she is known for, ready? Those of you who've been with us from the beginning and caught us at the end, one of the things she is known for is firing arrows, specifically fiery darts, fiery arrows. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Here's this first section. It's called the glorious gospel because it is preaching the gospel. It is telling us how we're saved. And we had to wrestle with a few statements in here, didn't we? I mean, we're going back months, but we had to wrestle with the fact that even before the foundation of the world, he chose us. That we were, the word here in the Bible, it's in the Bible, we were predestined. And all of this is according to his wonderful grace, and more importantly, his love. So you may have questions about what we talked about in this section. We actually did a five-week class on soteriology, the study of salvation. We covered predestination. We covered what it means to be chosen before the foundation of the world. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's called the glorious gospel because it is not just the fact that our souls are saved, but all things, Jesus came to reconcile all things on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And that is why angel painted the painting the way that he did. I know it's hard to see, but as a canyon has layers, so does the gospel and light hits it. And so does the gospel. Verse 11, in him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who were first to hope in Christ uh, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit 
who is the guarantee of our sal- uh, a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we can argue about predestination. We can argue about what it means to be chosen before the foundation of the world. Here's what we know. If you have, and I quote, listen to it, if you have heard the word of truth and you believe the gospel message of your salvation, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you are sealed. You're sealed. You're sealed. He's got you. Verse 15, for this reason, because the gospel's so good, because of what we've talked about him sealing us, because his grace is wonderful and all things are done in love, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is Paul talking, writing this letter out, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. So now that you're saved, may you're, you continue to have the eyes of your heart enlightened. Three things, you ready? First thing is, you would know what the hope, uh, what is the hope to which you've been called? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Know your hope, know your inheritance, know his power. Going on. Going this, and and listen, watch the swing here. He's now going to swing, and he's going to specifically focus on where this power comes from. Going to verse, um, where are we at? We're at, uh, I guess, halfway, right? Verse 19. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rulers and authorities and power and dominion, and above every name that is named. We talked about that in Ephesians 6, didn't we? Not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Do you hear that? Do you hear where the power is coming from? Look at it again in verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. All this is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's sealed and it's true because the, 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 the God who came and died for us rose from the dead, conquering death. You can be sure of that because this is what the text says. But not only that, look at this. It's something called an inclusio. Chapter 1 starts with an idea and finishes with an idea. Look again at your Bibles here. Look at verse 21, or I'm sorry, at, at the end of 20. Uh, Christ is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. Go back up. You can see it again uh, in the first section that we read, um, that he chose us in him through the foundation of the world, that whole deal. In him, we have redemption through forgiveness of our sins according to his insight, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Um, It's in there somewhere, I promise. Uh, Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I really got this whole Ephesians thing. Ironically enough, as a staff, we chose to memorize it, and I don't remember any of chapter one now, so that's encouraging. Um, uh, Oh, there it is. In verse three who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It starts with the heavenly places and it ends with heavenly places. And that is the end of the first section and the first chapter, the glorious gospel. Now, now the camera's going to swing. And I want you to look at your Bibles again. Look at chapter 2, verse 1, the first two words. And I want you to look at verse 4, the first two words. Paul's going to swing the camera from how big Jesus is at the end of chapter 1, and now he's going to swing it to you and I. And this is what he says. And then in verse 4, he's going to go back to God. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Before we break that down, look at verse 4, but God. Now here's what I want you to see. In describing us, here's what we brought to the table. You ready? 
trespasses, sins. We follow the course of this world. We follow the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. We, were, we see the word disobedience. We see passions of our own flesh, desires of our own body, by nature children of wrath. That's what we brought to the table. In the glorious gospel, Jesus saved us from that. That's where we were. Now the camera's going to go back to who God is, starting with but God. And listen to the, the language. The language changes completely, right? But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Listen to the language change, you guys. I mean, we go from us in disobedience and wrath. Listen to the words that pop out here. Great love, grace, rich in mercy. He raised us up. He made us alive. This is good news. This is God's response. Now, this is important. Lest you think for a moment you did this. Lest you think now that you're saved, you need to do work for God. Just to be safe, he says this in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's not even the moment we're saved about you doing, 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 but rather instead of you doing the works, you are the work. You are the work. That is the beauty of the glorious gospel. And as it changes hands, it's a good reminder because here's what we can know. Going into the next section, everyone starts from the same place. We're all in the same blocks. We all come out. It doesn't matter what race you are in here. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic class. It doesn't matter. We now are together. And that is why in the next section, we're reconciled with God, the beginning of the section, and others. And this is what it says in verse 11. Therefore, you hear that? Because you were saved, not in your own merit, therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. This is a long one, so track with me. We're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter. Remembering that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the, the, uh, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So, when we, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Whoo! Some more Bible than you guys read all week. So, here's what I want you to see in this. In the reconciliation of us to God, the reconciliation of us to one another is inevitable. 
Now, the word peace appears in Ephesians chapter 2 more than any other chapter in all of the Bible. Look at it. Look at it again. You can see this. In 14, he is our peace. In 15, so making peace. In 17, he preached peace. Again, to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. Jesus is all about bringing peace, but he's also about war. He's also about hostility. And he is hostile towards hostileness. He is going at war against those who are warring at each other. He is not about this wall that is between us, but he is breaking it down. And this is when we talked about specifically racial reconciliation. We could do right now, honestly, if we wanted to preach this thing right now, as believers, the Kavanaugh and the non-Kavanaugh camps, the dividing wall has been removed. Do you understand? And so in Christ Jesus, Democrat, Republican, black, white, it doesn't matter where you are, Jesus has brought us together. And he uses the Jew and the Gentile for us to see. And what's beautiful about what Angel painted is the fact that Jesus is building this house. He is putting us together as a holy temple. And there are parts of the house, there are pebbles at times that fall off, but he's got us. He's catching them. He's building the house. Chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery, listen to how often Paul's going to use the word mystery here, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not been known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Verse 7. Of this gospel, I have been made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the uh, working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and bring to life for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. Everything we've talked up to this point is absolutely mysterious. I mean, angels long to look into it. The prophets beforehand tried to gaze in to see what's going on, this promise and blessing to Abraham. How does it find its fulfillment in Jesus Christ? It has been revealed to the apostles. We have it in the word. And now we continue as the body of Christ to take this message. Matter of fact, this is what it says in verse 10 as we go into Christ's beloved church. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Do you hear that? Everything we've talked about, it's through the church now we take this mystery. That it's not, there's no more uh, ostracized type people, but now there's reconciliation of all things, each other, and us and God. And as we do this, it's as a church we're to continue to make this known, but not just to anyone. We come up with this statement a lot. It appears many times in Ephesians to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is good news that now we as the church have this, and we are as Christ's beloved church. We are made up of different, uh, again, socioeconomic classes, demographics, and this is what Angel tried to articulate, uh, the fact that there are different types of people that are um, in different types of environments, and each one of their shirts, I know it's obviously hard for you to see from where you are, but you're welcome to come look at it after service, is in a different language. And that's so huge, because here's what the church is doing. The church is exemplifying, showing the world what eternity will look like. Do you understand? 
There's this video that almost brings me to tears every time I watch it. It's like 25 minutes long, and it's this just sea of African churches. This African church is just a sea of people, and they're just dancing and singing, and it's crazy. And you just go like, what is going on right now for Jesus? Now it's them, it's China, it's America, it's Canada, it's Mexico. Together, we praise the name of Jesus Christ. That's what eternity will look like, every tribe and tongue. And right now, we're displaying that truth. So he goes on to say this, for this reason, how humbling is this? How humbling is that idea? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Yes and amen. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let me read it again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know, the love, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at him, I'm sorry, to the power at work within us, this is a lot of Bible, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. At the end of chapter 3, we end a section that we talked about a lot on the back half, didn't we? Nowhere in what you just heard did the Bible, did Paul, the Holy Spirit, tell you to do anything. Just name the fact that we are in the glorious gospel. Yes and amen to that. It is true. It is real. And that because he's reconciled all things, he's bringing his church together. Here we sit as Christ's beloved people, his church. And so we go into the fourth section, uh, specifically chapter 4. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling. Do you hear that? It's still that section of us coming together. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father uh, of all, who is over all and through all and in all, he's everywhere, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. From the jump, as Ephesians breaks up chapters 1 through 3 and then 4 through 6, listen to the first words in chapter 4. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If these first two and a half paintings are true... If this reality in the first three chapters are true, then there's some things we need to respond to, that we walk out what has been given to us now. And this is what he's laying out. Again, words that are super helpful. We're, uh, we're walking out in humility and gentleness, in love. We're maintaining unity of the Spirit. These are all here. Now, it's going to be hard to do. There's no question it's going to be difficult, not just because the culture around us tells us um, we're crazy, but because within the own household of, our own household of God, we're going to disagree. I mean, some of you can't believe that Kavanaugh got appointed. Some of you are, like, frustrated that someone would think otherwise. Some of you come from a, a poor background, and you don't understand people who live in rich suburbia and vice versa. And this is going to be difficult because we're going to sit in rooms, and it's going to be hard to understand one another. Luckily, he's given us each other to lead each other in this. Therefore, this is beautiful. It says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. You want to know what that means? You're going to have to go back and listen to the sermon. Are you ready? Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So do you see this? He's given us each other, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He's given us leaders, deacons, elders, but also each other as we continue to hold each other uh, 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 together. And as we do this, it's important because he describes us as a little kid. If we're not careful, we're going to be like a little kid. And the example in this moment I gave is like sitting in an ocean. Eve is five, my daughter. She going into three foot of water is going to be tossed back and forth by the waves. But I can hold my ground because I'm a man. I'm a grown man. Okay, sorry. <laughs> now here's my point. As Angel looked to paint what this looks like, we are starting from this place. And, and together we grow into this different place. Do you understand? And what's amazing about this fourth painting here, the second from your right, moving towards maturity, what you're going to notice is um, it starts as a child and eventually gets to this wise sage. But here's what you might not notice from where you're sitting. It's one line. He didn't lift the paintbrush from the canvas. And so as he painted this painting, as he put this in front of us, it's this journey. And we're doing this together. We are starting. And yes, it's going to be easy to be tossed to and fro, but he's given us each other to anchor us. Going on. Verse 15, Uh, where are we at? Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint. We're held together by every joint. So we, the body of Christ, is holding each other together, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the, the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We become that wise sage. Now, here we go. We're going to turn a corner on some of this. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have uh, so assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You ready? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Can we just affirm that your old life is not meant to look like who you now are in Jesus Christ? And even as you mature in Christ... Corbin, who's my oldest, who's 10, is not going to act the same way when he's 35, or I have failed, honestly. And so it's silly for us to think we can carry our old life into our new life. I mean, when I was a youth pastor and we would go to camp, we would do all these games, go out and play basketball, whatever it is. Well, then the teenagers, they would go take showers, and then they would just put on the same clothes. Disgusting. Do you understand? Teenagers are disgusting. That's the point, okay? So, so hear me, here, here, here's what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, that's crazy, you're now washed, you wouldn't put on the old clothes, and so here's what Paul's going to do, he's going to tell us now what we need to put on, what new clothes we need to have, 
So this is exactly what he does. Therefore, he starts with this, don't lie. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Don't simmer on anger. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Don't steal. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Don't tear each other down. Watch our words. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's what you should do if you're a believer. Read that list and aspire to it. That's what the mature man is doing. They're seeing their old ways of life and you're not naturally tenderhearted. No, no, no. Holy Spirit, help me be tenderhearted. Help me avoid malice. Don't let me lie even in small things. Don't let me steal even in small things. Don't let me simmer on anger. This is what your new creation looks like. This is what all of eternity will resemble. And then in chapter 5, he gets very specific talking about sexual sin. That the old man is not to carry his old sexual sin. When I say man, obviously it's gender neutral. Therefore, be imitators of God his beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you can be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Here, here's what does not belong to the old man. Listen again, sexual morality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Again, in covetousness, idolatry. These things do not belong to your new way of life. Stop putting on your old camp clothes. Verse 15, I'm sorry, um, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Be careful. Be careful. It's for these reasons that the wrath of God is coming. It's a serious thing. Verse 7, Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of lights. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So here's the reality. This is going to be difficult, but we are children of light, and here's how we can know what we're to resemble in the new human. Our new person is to resemble all that is good, right, and true. But it's hard sometimes, right? You don't know exactly. It's not like he told you exactly when you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. He doesn't give exact detail. So hear me. Ready? Rely on the Spirit and discern. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not going to leave you hanging. So as you're processing, God, am I supposed to do this? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. And maybe not at first. Maybe it won't be as clear as you want to. But if you sit and you discern what is pleasing to the Lord, he'll continue to guide us together to become fully mature. 
which leads us to the last section of Ephesians, but still in chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Amen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This is going to start to sound familiar because this is where we started to even recap towards the end there. Look at verse uh, 15 again. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise and wise, right? We're continuing to walk this out, making the best use of our time. So we're not to be foolish. This is an imperative. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk on wine, right? And here's the counter imperative uh, for that's debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. And then he's going to lay out how we are filled with the Spirit. And that is why the last painting is the Spirit-filled life. These rays symbolize the Spirit-filled life. This is going to look different. They're going to shine in different directions as Angel painted this for us. And here's some few things that we can be aware of. We are to, number one, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Number two, we're to sing and make melody to the Lord with our heart. Number three, we're to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And number four, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. At number four, at the beginning of 21, he then begins to lay out what it means to submit to one another. And this is important because now we're going to tie these things together because the gospel is good and he has reconciled us together as a very diverse people into grow into mature manhood and as we continue to process what this means to look like together the goodness of the gospel to be filled with the spirit we need direction and this is what paul does he gives us direction specifically in the areas of submitting how should this work we're to submit to one another out of reverence of christ what does that look like well first he speaks to the wives in the room Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Then he speaks to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. You hear that, husbands? You care about yourself, we'll care about your wife. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she responds Uh, see that she respects her husband. In a word, husbands, you are not called to selfishness. Verse 6, still talking about this hierarchy, this divine hierarchy, this divine order. Now to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with the promise, that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Fathers, 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 do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, lead in this way. Verse 5, bond servants. We unpack this if you're confused why your Bible might say slave. 
uh, and then you read the word master. I spent 20 minutes unpacking what this actually means. You can go back and listen to that sermon. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. If you're wondering what your demeanor should be like at work, just read that section. Just read that section. Being a bond servant, serving someone else, getting paid to do so, that's what you can hear. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Can we just stop, listen to that? Paul was writing this. Somebody actually stood in front of a group and is actually reading this, and they're thinking of the spiritual warfare around them. Are we, are we thinking about that? They're keenly aware of seeing child sacrifices, they, they see the demonic forces. Are we aware of this? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, bo- may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, to, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given to the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How interesting is it that Artemis was known for what she was known for in the beginning. And to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Dwayne killed this last week. Keep alert with all uh, uh, perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. That, that words may be given to me uh, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We're going to war. Verse 21, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, and, uh, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you, most likely he's the one who sent this letter, for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Listen to verse 23 and 24. Matter of fact, look at your Bibles again and look at verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. You ready? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23 of chapter 6. You ready? Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. For God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. incorruptible. If I was asked, what is the entire book of Ephesians about? It is what Paul starts with and ends with. It is about Jesus Christ bringing grace, providing grace, bringing peace, and providing peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. There's nothing special about my voice. Um, Even as the words come off my tongue, there is power in what's being read. 
There's no denying that. There's something about hearing the word, your word, be read out loud. I would pray that as we went through these six chapters, as we process commands, doctrine, in the season as a church, we've lost people, there's been heartache, there's been joy, there's been victory, and yet here you are, stable and steadfast, reminding us of grace and peace. Thank you for that. Thanks for this time. We trust your word. We trust that it is what convicts. It is what encourages. It's what's going to guide us along, and it's what gives us faith. And we never, as a church, never, never, never stray from it. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.